0: good to see you. Um, kia a podcast, Kia ora video people, Kia ora Wendy's not here eh, so special shout out to Wendy, Wendy had cataract surgery on Friday and so she still can't drive and I was just sitting there before thinking oh, I should have got someone to pick her up so I'm a goo, so sorry Wendy but anyway good to connect. Um, so we're carrying on with this uh, story of the Bible so uh, if you remember the first Sunday was like a whole overview of the Bible in like 30 minutes, I think it was 40 minutes in the end but that was all good and um, and then last Sunday was the baptisms, which was like super awesome, and I kind of looked at some of the beginning of the Old Testament, just really at the exodus, right, and the plagues and all that, it was really funny, those plagues are horrible, but they always crack me up. And so today is the second half of the Old Testament in 30 minutes, right, it's like I'm doing about 1500 years of history in like 30 minutes, so... That's kind of where we're heading. And I'm really, again, just going to focus on one thing. So I'm just going to focus on the invasion of Israel and Judah and the captivity in Babylon and, and all that kind of stuff and, and unpack that. So that's why um, Emily read that a little bit from Daniel. So we're going to look at a bit more of um, Daniel's stuff. So the the big thing to think about this morning, like the, the key theme, if you like, this morning is just disobedience. It's just, it's just really illogical um, how disobedient Israel is and how disobedient Judah is and how clear God keeps saying to them, stop disobeying, (laughs) stop disobeying, stop worshipping idols. And they literally just go (laughs) to God and they just keep doing it. And it's like, really? Now, we, of course, would never do that. Amen? We never disobey God, right? We are perfect in every way, so we can't judge them. But at the same time, we're going to judge them because they're nuts, right? Um, Just a quick little silly story to get us thinking about um, obedience and disobedience. And I think this does not represent Israel. So it's an old story about a little boy who, um, who insisted on standing up on a pew during the church service. After several admonishments, his mother severely threatened him if he stood up one more time. As he sat squirming on the pew, he whispered to his mother... I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. <laughs> and I thought, that's not Israel. Israel's just standing up and not even pretending to try and follow God. It just is like complete chaos the whole way through. So, so to make sure that we know kind of where we are um, in all this, whoosh, um, super fast overview. So if you remember, um, Adam and Eve uh, started, and from them, they did the wild thing. Again, we don't mention sex in church, of course. They did the wild thing. Before you know it, there's people everywhere, um, humans all over the place, And disobedience towards God and all sorts of crazy stuff going on. The key thing, I think, to keep remembering about Adam and Eve is God's desire to just be with them, right? You you read that so clearly. He created humans to be with him, to dwell with him. That that was his goal, but we stuffed up, right? Um, And then we go to Abraham. So then from all the people, God chooses one family, um, Abraham. And he chooses to bless them and for them to be a blessing. So I just want to read these verses so... Y'all know that I'm not just making it up. So if you've got your Bible, jump over to Genesis 12, um, 1 to 3. This is like one of the most famous passages um, in the Bible because it's kind of the beginning of this whole thing of God now choosing a people to be His special people, which becomes Israel and now the Church and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, this is this is a really cool little passage. I'll just read this Genesis 12, um, 1 to 3. So the Lord had said to Abram, uh, so. Well, he's Abram and his name gets changed. There's a whole thing behind that. Leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I'll show you. And then this is this blessing for him, but he's also going to be a blessing, or his family will be a blessing to the whole planet, right? I'll make you into a great nation. I'll bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. Is that bit, right? I'll bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So there's this real clear message right through the Old Testament that God wants to bless the family of Abraham, and then Israel. We'll look at some verses in a minute. And in blessing them, they would be a light, right? They'd be a light to people. People would be looking at Israel or looking at the family of Abraham and just going, oh my gosh, how come they're so blessed? What is going on? How come their crops are just crazy? How come, you know, what is happening? Oh, it's the God they worship. How do we get in on that? Makes sense, eh? you you with me? Oh, that was such a good response. My gosh. In my list of responses, that was the best ever. You're all fired. All right, um, so then... Abraham, um, Egypt, the Exodus, you know, 400 years of captivity in Egypt with us. They become slaves, and then um, God brings them out, which I talked about last time. And again, there's this whole strong message of God wanting to bless them, but for them to be a blessing out. So we'll just read these verses real quick. Um, So we're going to go over to, where are we going? Deuteronomy 7, 6. So, this is just this pure, like, blessing one here. So, Deuteronomy 7 6, and God's speaking to the to Israel, for you are a holy people who belong to the Lord your God. And I love this last bit of all the people on earth, the Lord your God has chosen you, and I love this ending, eh, to be his own special treasure. I just love that, eh, that's so cool. And you see that same thing in the New Testament where we're called special treasures. It's kind of like, woohoo, super cool. All right, jump over to Psalm 67, and that's where you see the other side of it, the kind of, the, the blessing side. Um, where they are to be a blessing out, not just to be blessed themselves. So, um, so there's a key word in here. So, in the, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, it says interlude. So, and most of you know this, right? So, in the Hebrew, it's the word selah, which we really don't know what it means, which is kind of wild, right? And so, most people understand now that it means pause and reflect. So if you ever read the Psalms and you see either Selah or Interlude or whatever your Bible says in, you know, in, in between some verses, it's meaning just stop for a second and reflect on what you read before you move into the next part. Makes sense, eh? And Okay, next time I say it, I'm going to be like, all right, I'm going to give you a chance to respond, and then I'll get <laughs> it. No, it's all good. I know it's because what I'm saying is just so intense, and you're just into it. no, it's all good. I hey, say, so I'll read this. So again, When after verse 1 is one of these sila, one of these pause and reflects. And so what he says in verse 1, you're like, oh, that's really interesting. And then when you read um, 2, through 4, it's like, oh, that comes out of verse 1. That's where we're going. So may God be merciful and bless us. May his face smile with favor on us. And that's this blessing, right? God just wants to bless Israel like crazy. We pause, we reflect. Oh, I wonder what that looks like. What would be the outcome of that? Oh, think, think, think. Now we read the next verses. May your ways be known throughout the earth. Oh, right. So one of the reasons he wants to bless them is so the, the ways of God to be known in the world, right? Pretty clear. You're saving power among people everywhere. May the nations praise you, O oh God. Yes, may all the nations praise you. Let the whole world, I love how it just keeps expanding, expanding. You know, sing for joy. Because the, you govern the nations with justice and guide the people of the whole world, right? So there's this real clear message that Israel is to be this blessing. Abraham was, Israel, big, key theme in the in the Old Testament, right? Um, and like I said the first time I preached, so a couple of weeks ago, one of the the funniest things you see in the whole Bible is it starts with Adam and Eve, and God just wanted to dwell with his people and then you have all the Bible, Bible, Jesus, church, blah blah blah. Then you get right to the end of the Bible, to the end of Revelation, and you're back in the garden, right? You're the same thing. And this is that that classic verse. Revelation 21 three says so kind of right towards the end. God's home is now among his people. He'll live with them And they will be his people. God himself will be with them. And it's this kind of like, oh, my gosh, that all of human history was to get us back to just hanging out with God. (laughs) I I always find that funny. You're not funny. I always find that kind of, maybe it's just me. I find it wild, right, wild. So, again, that's God's kind of key thing, God's desire. The whole way through the Bible is this idea to bless us so that we can be a blessing, right? And the blessing will come on us in different ways. It might be guidance. It might be wisdom. It might be strengthening might be clarity in a, in a certain situation. There's all sorts of different ways that God loves to bless us and care for us. But the whole thing is not to hold it. It's so that we could be a, a blessing out, right? Now, I had this thought keep bouncing around in my head because the whole thing we're going to see now when we go back to talking about Israel was just disobedience, disobedience, disobedience. And I was thinking about it, and I was like, man, imagine what the Old Testament would read like if they had actually done what God wanted them to do. Imagine if you'd read the Old Testament, it was like, and they got rid of their idols forever. And the temple, because fun- the temple only functions for very short times in Israel's history. But often we think it goes forever, and it's like, no, no, there's only a few years here and a few years there because they <laughs> end up worshiping idols and kind of forgetting it. It's crazy. Um, imagine the blessing on that nation and, and, and how it would have gone out instead of kind of how it happened. So I kind of, this, is, this next question's a little bit funky, but this kept going around in my head all week. I wonder what your and my life would look like if we 100% obeyed God in everything. Um, I wonder what your and my life would look like if we 100% obey God in everything, um, it's easy to look at Israel and go, man, they're such idiots, the way they keep sinning and disobeying God. But we've always got to look at ourselves, right? Um, so I was thinking about me, and I was like, man, I wonder how many times in the last week or the last month God literally wanted to bless me. Right? I've, I've made that clear when looking at these different verses. God desires to bless us as his people. I wonder how many times in the last month God was going to bless me in some way. He was going to give me clarity in a situation. But because there was sin in my heart, right? Because I disobeyed Him in some way and I hadn't made it right, you know, and then that relationship was still messed up with Him. God wanted to give me clarity in a situation. I, I was really confused. And it's like, well, it's because you're disobeying. I wonder how many times in the last week or the last month God was going to protect me in some situation. But again, because there was some sin in my heart, I was disobeying. And He was like, well, I could, but. <laughs> about relationship. Um, how many times in the last week, the last month, did God want to encourage me, lift me up, strengthen me, support me? But again, he's like, oh, Craig, it's about relationship. There's sin in your heart. Confess it, repent. Let's get the relationship right, and then I can do that. It's not that, that he can't, but it's kind of like I tie God's hands, right, <laughs> by my disobedience. Um, and then the, the bit that really messed with me this week was... In the Old Testament, right, Abraham, Israel was to be blessed, to be a blessing, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, this really messes with me." I wonder how many times in the last week, the last month, God wanted to bless someone through me, but because of disobedience in my heart, He, he couldn't. Do you know what I mean? God can do anything, but and that that kind of messes with me. It's like, ooh, I, I feel stink, missing out on the blessing. But man, imagine if because there was disobedience in my heart, that God withheld some blessing for one of you, (laughs) or someone else I connect with. And I was like, ooh, that one kind of, ooh, hit me in the the guts, right? Um, So back to Israel. So they just disobey, disobey, disobey. (laughs) The crazy thing is God sends over 88 prophets to say to them, oi, stop with the idols. (laughs) Connect with me and I'll bless you, right? And I was like, man, 88 prophets, and it's not like each prophet only spoke once. Many of them are there for years and years and years, right? And so it's like there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times where there's a prophet going, hello, everyone, let's stop worshipping idols. And God's going to zap you if he does. He's going to invade, you know. He wants to bless you. Stop with the idols. Stop with the idol. And they just keep saying to God, <laughs> and worshipping idols, right? Um, so you guys know Israel, the, the nation of Israel splits, and so there's 12 tribes, and so it splits into Israel, the top 10 tribes, and Judah, the bottom two tribes. Once the split happens... Um, Israel is just evil. It's really weird when you read through their history. It's just um, king after king after king who's evil. And it just constantly, it's really funny funny in a sad way when you read it because it's like, and this king was even more evil than the king before him. <laughs> it's kind of like they're having this competition. And, then, and this king was so evil when he followed in the footsteps of his father and worshipped and eviled and eviled. And you're just reading Israel's history, remember, the ten tribes of split. It's just evil, evil, evil. And the whole time through, you've got all these prophets running around going, Stop the evil! And they're just like, God, get lost! And they worship, and it's crazy. Crazy, because we would never do that, of course, right? Um, And so in 720 BC, Israel's conquered by Assyria, right? Conquered by Assyria. This is actually a picture from the walls in Babylon that were made around this time, but I couldn't find a cool picture of Assyria. So if you're a historical genius, I apologize. Because you probably looked at that and were like, bro, you've got the wrong whole nation. So, um, so Assyria comes and conquers Israel. And, and as I've said before, their, their philosophy of conquering is when they conquered people, they take them and they just disperse them, right? And so we never hear of the 10 tribes again, ever. We know Judah. That's a different one. I'll get you in a minute. But the, the top 10 tribes are just gone, right? And so Assyria's theory around this was you invade a land and then you take All the people, and you put some in this land you've conquered, this land you've conquered, this land, you just separate them out because then they can't kind of get back together and rebel against you. And you take other people you've conquered and you put some here and some there and some there. So you end up in those top ten tribes that are just gone. We don't know where they are. Unless you watch really weird movies. Are you with me, eh? Like in those weird movies, it's always like, and we've discovered the lost ten tribes. And you're like, what? Wow, okay, that's wild. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Um... And the crazy thing in this is that Judah just doesn't learn, right? If you think, like, this is a silly illustration, but this is the best I could come up with, right? I thought this was kind of funny. So New Zealand and Australia. We all know we don't like Australia, but in this illustration for a while, we'll pretend we like them, okay? So apologies to Sarah, who is Australian. Anyone else Australian? I need to apologize to no one. Apologies on the video if you're Australians. All good. So imagine New Zealand and Australia are chosen by God to be blessed by God, right? And he's just blessing us, and it's awesome. These prophets running around saying, don't rebel against God, or we'll be invaded, and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And he's, he's blessing New Zealand and Australia with, like, crops and great weather and everything's just fantastic because we're obeying him. But then over time, we're kind of like, oh, God, shmod, man, worshipping idols is really cool, you know, um, but especially Australia, right? And Australia just starts real, because they're evil, right? They just start worshipping idols and stuff hard out and God's sending prophets over to Australia, probably from New Zealand, because we're the chosen people, right? Saying, stop doing this, you're going to get invaded, you're going to get invaded. Meanwhile, we're, we're being good and bad and good and bad here in New Zealand. And then finally God's done. He's like, this is enough. And so he sends someone, I don't know who, I'm not going to like do some weird prophecy. <laughs> um, someone, um, country, invades Australia and just disperses them and they're gone, Right? And we know, because we've had prophets saying to us, and we've heard what the prophets have said to Australia, saying, if you keep disobeying God, you will be destroyed. Now, in New Zealand, we are smart. And what we would do when we hear that Australia has just been invaded and dispersed, is we'd be like, ah, run to God, destroy the idols. We don't want that to happen. Oh, my gosh. Am I right? And what does Judah do? Not that. (laughs) So the top 10 tribes go, what does Judah do? kind of follow God and kind of not we'll kind of follow God we'll kind of not and so again it's really funny in a sad way when you read the history of Judah because it's like there was a really good king and then the next king was super evil like extra evil then the next king was kind of good then the next king was super evil and it's almost goes not always it's almost like good king super evil good king super evil and it's like really you just literally saw Australia invaded and destroyed how do you not learn oh my gosh you with me eh Silly, silly, silly. All right, i got a quote here that kind of explains this um, I thought was real interesting. So this is talking about exactly what I've just talked about. Let me read this. God's patience and repeated warnings provide many opportunities for repentance. And that's a massive thing to think about. Let me go back. It's a big thing to think about because one of the accusations from, and and I say this kind of carefully, from people who don't carefully read the history of Israel is that, man, God is so horrible. He just invaded and destroyed them. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's hundreds and hundreds of years, there's prophet after prophet saying, stop worshipping idols, follow me and be blessed, right? They all speak in high voices, those prophets, I don't know why. It's like a Jewish thing, I don't know. All right, I'll carry on. But in the end, a stiff-necked and rebellious people eventually receive their deserved judgment. It's deserved because they keep rebelling against God, right? The consistent pattern of evil kings in Israel comes to a screeching halt with the final imprisonment of Hoshea and capture of Samaria, that's the top, part, right? God's people are removed from the promised land and foreigners are imported to repopulate the territory, right? That's that Assyrian thing. Remember I said that? The futility of rejecting the worship of the true God for pagan idols now hits home. And here we go, the dumbest statement ever. Unfortunately, Judah in the South fails to learn the obvious lessons from Israel's demise. Like you read it and you're like, really? Are you idiots? (laughs) All right. It's discussion time. So I've got a couple of questions for you all. The first one's super easy. The second one's slightly terrifying. So here's the questions. Why did Israel and Judah continue to disobey God when they could physically see the result of their obedience or disobedience? So what I mean by that is that the, the blessing and the punishment from God at this time is very, very physical. It really is great crops or famine. It really is just blessing and, and, and punishment. So it's very clear in their history but they keep disobeying God. Why? Why do they do that? But then the hard question, why do we continue to disobey or not trust God even though we know he only desires to bless us? I'll read that again, eh? Why do we continue to disobey or not trust God even though we know he only desires to bless us? So if you're new or visiting or whatever, um, what we do now is we'll just have a little chat. Um, So a few people will move around and um, talk for a couple of minutes. Um, on either of these questions, or both, or whatever you want to do. Uh, if, if you don't want to talk, so someone's God's really talking to you, and the last thing you want is to talk to some random person beside you. So the deal here is always stare at the screen. So if you're staring at the screen, that means you and God are talking, please leave me alone. But if you're not staring at the screen, people will now pounce on you. Not literally, hear me, I can see you getting ready to pounce on Dan. Um, pounce on you and have a little chat. So grab a friend or a random person beside you, have a little chat. Okay, kia ora, we'll boogie on, eh? Um, maybe just a couple of people, any thoughts on either either of the questions? Anyone? Yeah. An example of someone disobeying, yeah. So, in a comfort zone. I was going to say the why, yeah, yeah, the comfort zone. Yeah. So, sorry, Elise is saying, a, a classic example was her trying to take the kids to the playground, but they'd fluff around the whole time and and she was trying to bless them and they were disobeying and being gooses. Kids and Brett, I'm guessing, eh? Ah, oh, he was at work. <laughs> Probably shouldn't even distinguish that. It's just kids, all three of them. That. But... Can I hear an amen, Elise? <laughs> yeah, amen. Anyone else? That's that's crazy. Oh, yeah, Howard, what do you reckon? Yeah, True. Yeah, that's cool. So Howard's saying um, there was a lot of false prophets running around at this time saying um, the opposite things um, and all sorts of influences coming in from other nations, from all sorts of stuff that were completely messing up their obedience. So that's cool. Yeah. Anyone else? Okay. We'll party on, eh? Okay, so Israel is gone, right? The top 10 tribes dispersed. Don't know where they are. Um, And now there's a new... um, Assyria is conquered by Babylon... And so, as I said, Judah then is conquered by Babylon in 586, right? And so um, a few years after, and God's given them a lot of time after Israel's gone to kind of wake up and go, oh my gosh, but they just keep disobeying, disobeying, disobeying. So Babylon has a different um, way of conquering. So Assyria would conquer and disperse everywhere and bring people and stuff, but Babylon, so now we're just talking about the bottom two tribes, remember? Babylon's uh, theory is, um, one, you take all the smart people, um, literally. And so most of us would be taken, of course. Can I hear an amen? amen. Yeah, come on. Um, so they take the smart people, and the smart people are assimilated, right? Does anyone remember the Borg in the old Star Trek stuff, the Borg? Resistance is futile, and you're assimilated and become part of the, the mind collective. So that's, that's, the the- that's the theory with Babylon, is you take all the smart people... And you assimilate them, you enculturate them, they become part of your, your, your laws, your parliament, your, all this kind of stuff, and it just raises that, that level of your own country. Um, and you leave all the dumb people, which is really funny because you kind of read it and you're like, whoa, all the people that were left behind <laughs> stink. Um, and the idea is the other people that know how to work the land and do all that stuff, so you leave them. Um, and so that's what you see with Daniel and his friends, if you remember, right? So Daniel and his mates and a whole pile of the people are taken from. Um, from Judah um, over to Babylon. And so this all happens in this um, 586. And they they really are assimilated. They really are um, put under a lot. They're given different names. They really try and incorporate them into the, the, the culture, the beliefs, the everything of Babylon. And this sounds a little bit cheesy, but when I was thinking about this week, and I, this next bit might sound a bit funky, so this is weird. Please come and have a chat to me afterwards. I don't want to... Be too weird, (laughs) just a little bit weird. So, as a Christian, I see this happening all the time now, and it's the frog in the kettle thing for a lot of us. And I'm not meaning us because we're aware of this for a lot of people. Society's going downhill faster than fast, it's just unbelievable how much evil stuff is happening around the planet, everywhere, right? And part of that is like Satan wants to assimilate us. He wants to water down our beliefs. He wants to, he can't, I don't think he can separate us from God, right? I don't think we can lose our salvation. But he wants to mess with us and, and water down our faith and make us weak in prayer and not read the Bible and not connect with God, not come to church, you know, stay at home, watch the rugby instead of coming to the church. Who would do that? <laughs> you know. Quite a few people, by the way. I had a few texts. Um, and, and that's his plan. And the Bible gives an, an entity to the world. And especially in the New Testament, so Paul often talks about the world. And he's not talking about Satan. He's just talking about the, the world system, society. And it's like society is going to an evil place, right? Um, and if we're not careful, we can get assimilated by that, right? And so one of the things I wanted to do is look at Daniel. So Daniel fights the assimilation very strongly. And he, it's not rocket science what he does. And you've got to remember, the whole reason he was taken to Babylon is because he's super smart and they want to assimilate him. They want him to become Babylonian. So it's like, hang hey, on, hang out. How did this guy, like, we're, we're you know, a frog in a pot. You know that thing, eh, that weird illustration? You put a frog in a pot and it just kind of swims And As the pot gets hotter and hotter, it doesn't realize, and finally it cooks, which I'm like, that's just horrible. Anyone done that to a frog? No, I haven't. Anyone? I've never done that. <laughs> horrible story. Um, <laughs> where was I going? Yeah. And so they're intentionally trying to indoctrinate Daniel, but he fights. How does he, what's his thing? We're, we're being slowly assimilated or trying to be slowly assimilated, Satan, the world, right? So I was like, okay, what are some of the things that, that he does to fight this? That's kind of where I was going. Okay, so um, the first thing is there is really strong societal pressure on Daniel. So I just wanted to read verse. I know you guys know it, but I thought, last time I checked, the Bible's kind of a cool book, so I'll read it anyway. So we're just going to read Daniel 1. Uh, where are we going? 12 to 15. Um, and again, remember, this is real intentional, right? Very intentional. So this is, um, they've just arrived, and they are given different names, and uh, this is all about the food, right? And for us, we're like, really? Why is the food such a big deal? But three kind of th- main things. One, most of it would have been offered to idols. And so Daniel, who wants to follow God, is like, I'm not going to eat food offered to idols. Two, it would have been super unhealthy. So I was actually reading about it this week, and it was like, they drank a lot of wine back then, like, oh, my gosh, amount of wine. And a lot of the food they ate was just real fatty and heavy and stuff, right? And so Daniel's like, bop, 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 trying to be like me, of course, you know, buff. No, nah, I don't know. Um, and then three, a lot of what they ate was uh, unclean. And so he wants to follow the law that God's given him. And so he's just like, I just can't eat this, right? Which is insane, because he's going to get killed if he <laughs> doesn't, so... Um, Let's start in Please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water, Daniel said. At the end of the 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men who were eating the king's food. Then make your decision in light of what you see. The attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his three friends (laughs) looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who'd been eating the food assigned by the king. And I love this. So after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables. Instead of food and wine provided by the others. So, so Daniel fights this, right? So how does he do it? What's some of the, the, the tricks, some of the key things? And it's not surprising. It's so simplistic. It's kind of crazy. So the first thing, he just prays a lot. So let's read um, Daniel 6 verse 10. It's kind of frustrating that it's so simple. It's like, oh, we've found the secret 10 steps to a powerful life in Jesus. And it's not at all. It's like, just pray. It's like, well. That's not very exciting, (laughs) but it is very exciting. So this is where Daniel is going to be thrown in the the lion's den. So he knows this is life and death stuff, right? So if you remember the story, if you haven't read the story, it's an awesome story. So everyone hates him because he's super smart, (laughs) Um, and so they know that he keeps worshipping God. So they pass this royal decree that if anyone worships anyone other than the king, they'll be literally eaten by lions. And Daniel, of course, goes, well, you can stick it up your nose because I'm going to follow God. And this next verse is crazy when you think, they have literally passed the law to kill him, right? And I love what it does. It goes, but when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home, knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with his windows open towards Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day just as he'd always done, giving thanks to his God. And the next verse is crazy. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house. They found him praying, and so they go to the king. And they're like such talent telltales. It's like, King, Daniel's praying, not to you. It's like, oh, you guys are such losers, right? Um, This has really challenged me this week. So I I pray. Um, I know most of us pray. Um, I have a little time in the morning with God, read some Bible, do a bit of journaling, pray and stuff. And I was thinking about it. I love the intentionality and that's why I put up. He prays lots and he prays really intentionally. And I love how Daniel prays three times a day. Um, And he's real intentional. He gets on his knees. He opens his windows towards Jerusalem. He's real intentional about his prayer. And I was thinking, I'm really good at praying in the morning. I hardly ever miss my um, time in the morning with God. If we have an elders meeting that starts at 6 a.m., which is when they start, often it's later in the day because I'm not getting up at 5 to read my Bible. I love God, but I can do it at 10, and it's okay. You can judge me if you want. Um, But often during the day, I just don't do a lot of praying. I pray with people all the time when I'm meeting with people, but often there's not a lot of time where I'm just coming before God to listen to him, to pray and stuff, which might be two minutes, three minutes. And I was thinking about this and I was like, one of the key things Daniel does in his life to not be assimilated by this, these societal pressures is he just regularly prays, he regularly prays, he regularly prays. It's cool, eh? It's not rocket science. It's not like, whoa, well, who would have thought? And the next one's again, super simple. So how does Daniel fight this, this assimilation that would have just been so intense? Praise lots. And the second one is he just reads his Bible, which always cracks me up. This is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, and I'm going to get a little excited about it, but it's just me being weird, so just don't freak out. Where are we going? Nine, verse one. Oh, this is what Emily read just before. Um, I'll start on verse two, eh? Um, So during the first year of his reign, uh, this new king, I, Daniel, learned from reading the word of the Lord, what? as revealed to Jeremiah, oh my gosh, we have a Jeremiah in our Bible. And this is where I always, this is where I'm such a nerd. I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. Because Daniel's literally sitting in his room reading the same Bible that we read. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. I just get so excited. Is that exciting? Because Daniel's like the man, right? He's awesome. And it's like his thing to fight this assimilation is not some tricky 10 steps to it's literally he just prays and he's just in the Bible. The same Bible that we it's not like he's got a special version or something. Oh, I just think, I just always imagine it, right? He's this absolute legend guy, super smart, super tight with God. And the key to that is just praying regularly and reading his Bible. And I'm like, man, it's, oh, I just love that, eh? It's cool the eh? way It's cool? I'm pretty excited. I'll, I'll read it without interrupting, sorry. During the first year of his rain. I, Daniel, learned from reading the word of the Lord as revealed to Jeremiah the prophet that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years. So I turned to the Lord and pleaded with him in prayer and fasting, and he goes back and praying. Um, Oh, I just love that, eh? I love how simple it is, right? It's not that God says, hey, you've got to do all these amazing things to fight the assimilation, these amazing things to be connected with me. It's, It's not rocket science. Pray, hang out with me, spend time with me. Read your Bible. It's not super, super hard. Oh, I love that. Okay, um... A little quote. I thought this was a cool little um, story quote. I don't know what box you want to put it in. Um, I'll read this. My wife, uh, Loretta, once remarked to me, I know I'd die for Christ. If I were put in front of a firing squad and commanded to renounce Christ or die, I know I'd say, shoot me. (laughs) That would be easy. The hard part is living for Christ, not dying for him. It's good, eh? I like that. She's right. One huge heroic act would be easier than a lifetime of little daily decisions especially when it may take a lifetime to discover that the promises of God were worth the no we said to ourselves and to the world each day. I need to read that last sentence again because it's a bit of a like brain twister, but he's saying every day we're given multiple opportunities to obey ourselves or obey God. And he said we don't always see the blessing from obeying God. We don't always see the blessing at, at that time. It can take a while. I'll read that again. One huge heroic act would be easier than a lifetime of little daily decisions especially when it may take a lifetime to discover that the promises of God were worth the no we said to ourselves and to the world each day. I just love that, eh? It's it's hard, right? It's hard. Um, And and, and Israel's gone, Judah's messed up, um, but God remembers them, right? God remembers them. God loves to restore. He loves to forgive. He loves to redeem us, right? He just does this all the time in our lives. He does this like big picture with Judah, right? He's a quote from Warren Wearsby. He's like this massive um, Bible guy over in the States. Um, God had given his people so many blessings, and now those blessings would fall into the hands of Assyrian Babylon. The Jews had a living Lord, but they replaced him with dead idols. Oh, that's a great line, eh? Their wealthy land was confiscated by enemy nations. The people were taken captive, and eventually Jerusalem and the temple were destroyed, 586 B.C. God in his mercy preserved a faithful remnant so a light would remain shining and he could fulfill the promises he'd made to his people. (laughs) Um, God always has hope for us, right? Um, You you start getting to the end of the the Old Testament and Israel comes, Judah comes back, right? And straight away they're disobeying God again. And you're just like, really? So Nehemiah, Ezra, those are the classic books that talk about the return. And it's just wild when you're reading it, especially Nehemiah. You get to the end of Nehemiah And he's just losing his mind. The last couple of chapters of Nehemiah are hilarious in a sad way because he's just going, are you serious? Oh my gosh, we had Israel disappear and then we're in Babylon and now we're back and you still keep worshiping idols. Stop disobeying God. And he's just like, ah, it's just wild. And then the Old Testament ends (laughs) and God is silent for 400 years. And one of the questions is why? He's had prophet after prophet after prophet. Why does God not say anything for 400 years? And most people go, Nothing more to say. <laughs> How many times can you tell someone, stop disobeying. If you do, bad stuff happens. And Israel's like, and they keep disobeying, keep disobeying. So God's like, I'm done. I'm done. You've, you've got it written down. <laughs> I'm done. So you end the Old Testament with this kind of like, oh, well, that stinks. <laughs> they keep disobeying. Did they not learn? What the? And so next week, we start in the New Testament. So you have to be here to Find out what happens next. Oh, my gosh. If you didn't know, Jesus, right? <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, Jesus, what a surprise. Hey, so I just wanted to finish with a, a verse. Back to us, right? It's good to think about Israel, but back to us. Um, and this one always has a funny bit in it. So this is from, um, where am I going? Second Corinthians um, 4, 16 to 18. So we're thinking about obedience and trials and troubles and assimilation and all that, right? This is why we never give up. Our bodies are dying. Our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that, is, that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. That's that blessing of God, right? So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. It's like, duh. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. So this, the spiritual, the blessing that's going to come from God. For The things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Hmm. It's such a cool comparison. I always think it's a little funny, to be honest. Where he goes um, in that second line, for our present troubles are small and why last very long? I'm like, oh, I'd like to push back on that, Paul. Some of my troubles are pretty massive, to be honest. But he's meaning in comparison to the blessing, right? In comparison to the blessing, our troubles are small and, and little. Okay, so let me just finish with this real quick. Um, how are you doing fighting being assimilated? <laughs> how are you doing fighting being assimilated? Um, is there anything that, while I've been talking or while we were worshipping this morning, that the Holy Spirit's been saying to you, hey, there's something of the world or something of the evil one, I don't know, that's kind of crept into your soul that you need to... You need to fight that assimilation, right? And I don't know what that is. That's between you and God. And what would you do? How do you fight it? It's like, oh, my gosh, what a massive question. How do I fight that assimilation? It's not rocket science, right? <laughs> Pray. <laughs> How's your prayer times going? How are your times where... Not when you're praying for everyone else and you've got lists and all that, just your times of you listening to the Lord... You're quietly sitting with it. It might be two minutes. It might be five minutes, ten minutes. I don't know. That's one key for, for Daniel to fight the assimilation. The other one is being in the Bible. How's your reading the Bible going? Um, I kind of think if, and I don't mean this in a rude way, if, if you're not spending time in prayer, if you're not spending time in the Bible, I think Satan's just kind of like, <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be really easy to suck you in. Really easy. Eh? Yeah, yeah, let's all stand up. Let me pray for us, eh? Yeah, kia ora Atua. It's really easy for us to sit here um, and judge, mock uh, Israel and Judah for being dumb and disobeying you. Um, When we look at our own lives, and we know, I mean, most of us aren't (laughs) running to high towers and things and setting up idols and stuff but we do allow some dumb stuff to come into our lives that we know it yeah, just messes with our allegiance to you eh? um, our worship of you So, yeah I just pray um, I pray right now if there's things that we have allowed to creep into our lives that is not of you, um, these societal pressures, societal whatever stuff we just, we just kind of hold our, our souls out before you, our hearts out before you, our minds out before you and say hey just challenge me God Challenge you on those. We want to be people that are. I like Daniel, just such a legend of fighting, like real intentional, <laughs> intentional indoctrination and intentional assimilation. He just fights by so simply just praying during the day, by being in the Word during the day. So cool. Yeah. Thanks that it's easy, eh? I always love that, God. Thanks that it's not. You yeah, do these impossible acts, and, and then you'll be tired. It's so simple. Christ in the name of Jesus. I mean...